open can be shorter. Like our should we keep this thing? I think those both for both of us. It, it's like ten minutes, which I feel like is. I have no opinion. No, I have no opinion. No. Eyes are closed. You have, have an no opinion. opinion. You have only no close opinion. your eyes when you have an opinion. <laughs> are you mad that I said that? <laughs> I. Look, we have look, to. Okay, look, look, I admit that look. in. All right, so in the my, I took a roundabout way to get to Ariana Grande. That I can admit to. So uh, long, <laughs> Stephen, you went through like three things you were not getting rid of. Well, and you know the real problem is. And I was like, those could have been used for future. I episodes. meditate on those things all the time, I and that. I cannot so get rid of one of them. use them. <laughs> I can't because I've already done it. They're already yes. in the. The ether in terms of what I'd like to get rid of. Okay, but so so that one you agree was long, but the last week's you don't think was too long? Uh, uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I skipped to... Oh, sure, to the end because he was asking. Um, although I did, I was like, ooh, wow, <laughs> the, the bridge of this song repeated makes it sound like it might be just a great chorus and not just like... <laughs> wow, you're the, like the thinking genius, about the song. <laughs> the genius that you've pulled out of my eye, my uh-huh. art, you're, Michael. My mm-hmm. art has become your art. You're wow, what do you? Wow, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Well, I yeah. still okay. Well, we'll see how you feel after you listen to the beginning. But I think it's just something to have in our minds. I, it's a fun little thing, and yeah. then we can just pass. Yep. Okay, sorry. Yep. So no. what you want to get rid of is long. No, cold I have a real thing too. Okay, yeah, good. Fine, you know what? Go for it. Go for it. I'll go for it. Should I time it? Should you want to make it a competition? Do you want to? I don't know why I said Okay. No, I don't. Well, yeah. I'm just Ma- kidding. I'm sorry. I love you, Steve. Stephen, I'd like to start this podcast by saying that I love you. I love you too, Jenna. Thanks. I love you too. Good. Okay. Um, what I want to get rid of this week is probably one that no one would take issue with, but uh, it is those flyers that get placed in front of apartment buildings or in your mailboxes um, for like usually menus for Uh restaurants uh, or those weird plastic packs of like full of flyers where it's like a a little bag full of flyers. Um, It's an obvious one because, but because it just seems only wasteful. And also when was the last time that you You looked at a menu and were like, now I will call this restaurant and order from them, you know? Yeah. Um, And it's just such a waste of, everything and they're annoying and like whoever is printing them it's like you're spending money on printing this when just like beyond seamless right it is it is like really because first off it's always asian restaurants and i can't go to them anyway Mm, steven Um, has a shellfish allergy allergy. um but it is it is one of those things where it's like this this has got to go this has got to go but did you see that episode of new girl uh no where she like decides that she's going to take issue with the the restaurant that's that's canvassing their apartments and keeps doing the menus and menus and then you know well it's a that's a great one <laughs> i you believe watch it. it well so um, she agrees with me well until the guy was like oh okay yeah n- the, no more menus uh john hey and he's like hey hey john uh you're fired and oh, then she was guy. like right oh. the menu guy was fired you know and so mm-hmm. it's like it's sad because there is somebody who needs money who's doing that. Is that their um, whole job? You think? Uh, that was his whole job. So mm. I don't. I don't know. Well, I guess it depends on it the is area. A comedy that you're TV show. So it is a comedy. It's probably TV show. all real. 
Wow. Sorry, well, New Girl. I do love like, New Girl. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. I want to get rid of those. What do you want to get rid of, Stephen? Uh, so this, uh, I want to, I actually really struggled this week because I feel mm. like we're just really culling out all the things <laughs> that I'm like, man, can I get rid of that? But then I was like, what am I going to think of? And then it, it hit me on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Seasonal allergies. Mm. Can, we, can we get rid of that shit? I'd, I'd I, be happy to. My God. I mean, mm. I really like to know, I'm sure that all this histamine in my sinuses is stopping some thing very important for a, that needs to not happen from happening. Sure, it's protecting you. Yeah, I believe it. Sure. Uh, but, like, I get out. Uh, fuck it. I yeah. want it gone. You're I, anti-histamine. I, yeah. What'd you say? I, oh, man. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yes, I am generally anti-histamine. Mm. Yeah, no, I have so much fexafinidine in my body. I could... I'm more of a, um, whatever the Benadryl one is. Is that, I think that starts with an L. Is that fexafinidine? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I know that... There's uh, one that doesn't work for me, so... Right, just... but Benadryl, I don't really take Benadryl because that's like a straight up antihistamine. That's like if I don't have my EpiPen, then oh. I can take that. And as I long as I don't fall for... asleep before I go to the oh, well. Well, yeah. uh, hospital, then I'll be all right. <laughs> also, my, my parents used to give it to me on... Uh, give it to us on Christmas Eve. Benadryl? Yeah. To just like knock you out? Knock us so out. Santa's up. coming. <laughs> Santa's coming. You can't go to have sleep. Have a magic pill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, That's funny. By, by like... By ten, I was like, "Mom, give it to me. I want. I just want to go to bed. Like, I don't want to sit up anxious. Just give it to me. Nice. Give me the drugs." <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I know that like Claritin, Zyrtec, and Allegra are all different. But I have no fucking idea <laughs> what they are. Um, mm. But yeah, that's what I want to get rid okay. of. Well, this episode is brought to you by all the antihistamines that you just mentioned. I feel like that was yeah. a nice product placement. Yeah. Take them, yeah, because take honestly, them. They help. Uh, I don't care what you think. There's no reason to feel that way. Uh, Western medicine's a great thing. Ooh. Soak it up. Ooh. Soak it up. Why? Why? Controversial. Why, why <laughs> suffer if you could take a pill? Uh, take lots of them. All right. Not too many, though, kids. Let's start or the take show. Too many. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to Should We Keep This, the cultural review podcast you know and love. Looks back over the past 50 years of film, music, <laughs> television. Oh. Challenging your nostalgia. Oh, you did say you might to do get this. get at the question. Should we? Should we? Uh, should we, we, should we keep this? this? I'm Stephen Moskus. I'm Gina Stevenson. And today we're talking about... The year the 1972. Godfather. And? And also the hit TV show... All, All in, in the, the family. family. Because, yeah. just to remind our listeners, in 1972, the top grossing film and the best picture winner were both The Godfather. And so, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Talking about them. Yeah, and we will, you know, in the future, be oscillating between uh, multiple, you know, big things. And so we're excited to... Uh, to begin that. To begin that. Today. And sort of explore what it yeah. means to be covering television mm, mm-hmm. yeah right uh, we have not talked about how we're gonna do this so no. here we go, here we go. In, <laughs> in real time yeah um well should i how about i'll start with then just giving a brief uh overview of what the king of uh, what the all king, in the family the of, is i was yeah. looking at my notes and i gave away my thing um first of all 1972 mm-hmm. tagline for this year <laughs> yeah this is the year of 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm a, the worst. <laughs> I'm laughing at uh, yeah, really lame it. joke. Go for uh, it. The year of the kings of queens. <laughs> because obvious reasons, King of Queens, a sitcom. Uh, All in the Family, a sitcom set in Queens. Not sure where The Godfather is set, to be honest. Could be Staten Not Island. Brooklyn. Could be Long Island. If it's Long... No, what? It's either way, Brooklyn, Queens, and Long Island right. are the same island. Well, I, think, so I actually do fits. think the Corleones might be on Long Island. That, yeah, there is something about Long about Beach. Brooklyn. They talk about Long Beach, yeah. too, which is in um, Long Island. But anyways, it's the same island, so that's why it's a pun-ish. The Year of the Kings of Queens? Um, all in the family. Everything. So what we did for this is we each watched um, a number of episodes. Um, so rather than give like a overview of every single episode, I feel like I'm just going to give a sort of uh, overview of what this show right. And is then that way, because like. honestly, we're just we'll probably just when we talk about each individual episode, give a little logline yeah. of the episode. Oh sure, yeah, a yeah. little logline. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I, okay. okay. Well, all in the Our family are smart. Is, right? they know I know the they know what a logline is. I just don't have a logline prepared for each episode. We just fucking one. We'll just summarize. All it in the sentence. family is a sitcom. Uh, it centers around a middle class family in Queens in the 1970s, um, and the the main character, although not the main character in most of the episodes that we watched, which is interesting. Um, is Archie Bunker, mm-hmm. and he is a loud-mouthed, old-fashioned, bigoted patriarch of the family. Yeah. Um, he's also got his wife, Edith, who is often the butt of his jokes, but she's also this sort of eccentric, old-fashioned, but kind-hearted right. woman. Um, and his daughter, Gloria, and her husband, Michael, or Meathead, as he is uh, called by Archie, who are both sort of very liberal, and their kind of goal in the this, in this show is to attempt to sort of teach... Um, Archie and Ethel, uh, Ethel, Edith, Edith. Edith. Whoa, wow, weird. Ethel. I was thinking about. Whoa. I love Lucy. No, wow. I don't know. Um, anyway, is in Ethel. I love, I love Lucy. I love her Lucy. best friend. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I was. I think you're. I was thinking about I love Lucy. You're not beforehand. wrong about what you were wrong about, but you. Were but I was wrong. wrong. <laughs> Anyways, Gloria and Michael are sort of like trying to teach Archie and Edith about the changing world and the sort of need to be more open-minded, more empathetic, more inclusive, right? And so a lot mm. of the comedy from the show comes from the tension between Archie and, Eth- and I wrote Ethel, ah, and Edith's old-fashioned, very sort of un-PC worldviews and the interactions that they have with the world around them, especially as they have to do with race and sexuality and traditional mm. gender roles. So like a lot of the comedy just comes from that tension. Yeah. Also, I kind of <laughs> thought like, um, to like link it back to Fiddler on the Roof, I kind of mm-hmm. thought their dynamic was the reverse of Tevia and the moms yeah. because Gold Edith it. is always, even though she's super old fashioned, she does seem to have this sort of air of kind of, I don't know my, my brain is going to like common sense progressivism, but like I don't, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about one episode in particular, but she was much more like understanding and been like, Oh, well like that's not how I, would do it, but I guess, you know, that does make sense. Whereas Archie is more along the lines of like, oh, it, 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 it can't be like that. It, it can't mm-hmm. be like that. Oh my God. Um, their voices, their uh, accents. Yeah. Uh, Edith's. Edith is exactly Lois from Family Guy. Oh. Uh, I was like, oh, because I, I, anyway, yeah. I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about that as a cultural reference point. Right. But just like the actress doing that voice, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is a real human. Yeah. Anyways. Oh my God. Yeah. I, Archie, Archie, Archie. I want you when the, the dinner on the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, brilliant. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we could get those. Could you, you get an Emmy. I, I give you an Emmy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. 
Um, that's all I, yeah. So do you yeah. want to give a little cultural um, yeah. reference? So, uh, did you have any relationship to this show oh, beforehand? Well, so, you know, I had heard of this show. My dad had a VHS of some season of All in the Family growing up. And okay. I remember sometimes he would watch it. Um, and I never watched it with him. Because he was like, he would, he would, his response, he would tell me about it. And he was sort of like, oh, it's about this racist guy, Archie Bunker. And I was like, great, cool, done. I don't need to watch this show. Yeah. Um, so I had heard of it and just sort of had that, only that image in my head. Um, but that's sort of my only reference mm. point. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, my, my mom, like, loved this show. And so we used to watch, like, Nick at Night mm-hmm. at night. And uh, don't. Why'd you? I, because. Because <laughs> it was at night. It was at night. You know, but like, I don't know if you ever did that. Did you ever like I lay in bed cable. and watch TV with your mom? Oh, that sounds sweet. Yeah. I, we didn't have, the bed, was, the couch was in front of the TV. They had two so, twin beds? Mm, yeah, yeah. Oh, they didn't have a television <laughs> no, in the room? Kidding. They did, but we would, if we were going to watch TV together, we'd watch like in the basement with the TV right. and the couch. Um, but yeah, so like up until I, I was like. Nine or so, like mm-hmm. late at night, I'd you know lay in bed with my mom and then watch it in the night. You watch all in the family. Well, whatever was on, it was like mm-hmm. at that time it was like I love Lucy, and it was all it was I love Lucy. It was all in the family. It was all mm. the Nick like sort of seventies mm. and fifties to seventies shows. Well, yeah, because like it wasn't until like ten years ago that it was shows from the nineties. I mean, obviously, twenty those shows weren't twenty years old then, but like. <laughs> Um, no. it is, it does feel like Nick at night has become super modern now, mm-hmm. whereas it used to be much more old shows. Also, Boomerang didn't exist, so there wasn't a place for all these old shows. It's a cable. It, yeah, I don't, Boomerang I never Boomerang is cable, a cable so. network. I mean, I didn't have Boomerang, but well, Boomerang is a cable network. Is it, is it a cable network, Boomerang? The show's old shows? Oh, is, actually, is shit. No, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Boomerang shows old cartoons. Oh. TV land. Oh, I okay. I've heard yeah. of TV Land. Yeah, um, even that has like new shows now. But mm-hmm. um, we used to, uh, used to watch that. Got even got it on. Uh, they have a number of seasons on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd always sort of known of it. Um, none of the episodes really stuck in my head. Just the just the theme song, mm-hmm. which yes is a big one. Um, and so that's what I knew, mm-hmm. and I knew it had been super popular. Um, but it, like, uh, the Writers Guild of America uh, has referred to it as, like, the fourth best television series ever. Um, it is the first show to use a live studio audience. Wow. It created the multicam format. Wow. Um, all previous shows were single cam. There was no other. I heard uh, that I Love Lucy was, maybe that's what I was thinking, was multicam. But maybe it must have been different. It wasn't quite yeah, the level it, of and I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All I know I didn't is mean that, to challenge it, you on that. They, I mean, I feel challenged, but <laughs> it, it, I'm, I believe I'm you're not research. afraid of your challenge. I'm Good. just interested. <laughs> I'm, I, and now I'm curious I'm just what look it up was the other. Yeah, do that. Um, cause it was the first multicam show and no canned laughter. Mm. They did not use any laugh tracks in, like nine seasons of the show. Wow. Yeah. And you can really tell just from watching it, like the difference of people's laughs from the audience is like, Oh, those are real people really reacting. Oh, and there was one, there was one episode, um, where 
he says the phrase, um, he says the word uh, Harris. Oh, yeah. And everyone busts out laughing, and you hear someone go, Ah, Harris. Yes, I heard that. Yeah, like you hear, I was like, that's awesome. Harris. Um, So it was created by a man named Norman Lear. It was his first sitcom. He went on to create 20 sitcoms. Wow. Yes, his name was very familiar, yeah. for sure. Um, and uh, uh, of them, you have um, like One Day at a Time, uh, Sanford and Son, uh, Good Times, and the Jeffersons and Maud mm. were both spinoffs of All in the Family. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Rob Reiner's first big role. And he went on to, I mean, he's a huge film director, went on to create Spinal Tap. He directed Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, The American President, The Bucket List. Uh, he's, he plays Jess's dad in New Girl. New Girl's back, y'all. He does. Um, uh, Gloria, she had her own spinoff, and she stayed active in TV, but her career didn't really explode. Uh, Carol O'Connor, who played Archie Bunker, um, he was in In the Heat of the Night. It was just a, a TV drama based on a movie with Sidney Poitier. Um, but I, I, I remember, that's another thing, the connection I have to All in the Family is uh, In the Heat of the Night would play in my babysitter's house, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, the guy from All in the Family. <laughs> um, and then, yes, the theme song is parodied mm-hmm. as the theme song to Family Guy. Yeah, That's where that comes from. Um, and then most of the... Most of the cultural references in film and TV, either A, uh, calling somebody meathead, because mm-hmm. um, that's what Rob Reiner's character is called throughout the show, and then also just referencing Archie Bunker, like calling somebody Archie Bunker, you're being like Archie Bunker, Archie Bunker this, Archie Bunker that. Um, now, they are credited with the first on-air toilet flush. There had never been like reference to somebody going to the bathroom before. Mm. Um, yeah, it was the first show to depict to tackle the issues of racism, infidelity, anti-Semitism, Vietnam, menopause, impotence, women's liberation, homosexuality, religion, miscarriages, and breast cancer. Like the first show to tackle. Like the first show all to depict those. them any on screen, them. like in any way, because hmm. it was all sort of. There's no more show before life. that depicted racism, I guess. Hmm. But but not like, shine. Uh, apparently, hmm. no. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, because also, I mean, a lot of shows before that were maybe overlapping because it did yeah, start. Yeah. This is not the first year of the show. It started in '69, right. mm-hmm. so there's a lot of overlap of shows that no, may have gone right. on to do it. Well, yeah, and um, I remember reading, some, though you're right, though, that like it was there was something about it being like the first show that took the sort of um, the ways that people like spoke like mm-hmm. per, about per, their like personal views on political issues and right. like actually made those the center of a show, which hadn't really happened before. Yeah, right. which is interesting. And I was actually, I was watching CNN, the like 80s series, and they were talking about how that basically became the that really be, went to explode in the eighties with Roseanne mm. um, and with a number of different uh, uh, married with children. Oh, this is, I guess the nineties, but um, yeah, that, that kind of went to, went on to 
be the most popular format for um, for television sitcoms. Hmm. Um, I also, I'm just going to interject here. I have some an update on the question about multicam, whether or not it's the first multicam. Am I going to get? A- um, Actually, so in fact, um, the multicam setup, there's, there's actually this, um, it's claimed that I Love Lucy was the first show to use it. But in fact, the actual thing is that it had been used in before, even before I Love Lucy, like in the, the first supposed um, use of, of three cameras using to broadcast one show was this, the, the Queen's Messenger, whatever that's called, in, whatever that was in 1928. And then, but then, like I Love Lucy was the first American sitcom that really sort of made it explode um, as a as a technique. Right. Well, so, I... so I'm just gonna put that out there. Ooh, are you doing? We're doing some dual Google. We're well, dueling. Yeah, Googling. I'm like this Google is dueling. It's okay. Huge. It's okay. I feel unhappy. I'm sorry. With my uh, research. Um, I feel unhappy with the way you pronounced that. I care not. I, wow. Okay. So, uh, first major series. Okay. Well, it was. Are you on Wikipedia? I don't know. As well. Why? Maybe. Um, then we're looking at the same page. Are you looking at All in the Family though? <laughs> but there. Okay. Well, all right. Fuck me. All right. So it was the first show to be shot on videotape. Oh, that's what you meant. Yes. It used the sh- and and um, in the '60s, the majority of sitcoms were using the single camera camera format with laugh tracks. He did multicam, no laugh tracks using tape. Got it. Um, cool. Still so, a lot of uh, important cool. Yeah. Basically, first I misconstrued. It's okay. The set. I, I'm here to keep you yeah, honest. You know that's true. <laughs> it doesn't. You, you, we have to admit our mistakes. People can forgive a mistake. They just won't forgive a cover up. I'm, you mm, know, I mm, made a mistake. Mm, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It's brought to you by Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know um, what you're talking about. Smart Steven. guy. Just, just kill me. I just. I'm sorry. Let's I move messed on. it up. Do you have more? Um, no, that's all I, uh, I want to say about. I do uh, think about that. just yeah. my lowest comment about Family Guy. I feel like the that both Peter and Lois are like directly meant to be um, Archie and Edith, mm. like voice wise as right. well. But just to put, I don't, you know, that that's an interesting, cause I, I, yeah, that's probably where those characters came from. And as far as like how they should sound. Yeah. Part um, of me also wondered, so um, the, I think that it's primarily, it's very likely that it's just based on the structure of a house in New York. Mm. But I did see a lot of similarity between the set of All in the Family and the set of the Cosby Show. Oh, mm. um, the idea of like the living room with the stair in the back, and then you know you go into the, and then they have their kitchen. It, mm-hmm. It's yeah. just it I mean, now I'm picturing similar. many. Yeah, I'm like I feel like uh, everybody loves Raymond has that exact same living room right. as well. Also so, takes place in Queens. Right. Well, um, that's what every yeah. Queens. We are in a queen's apartment right now. It looks exactly it like looks that. It looks just like that. I love this townhouse. Yes. Oh. It's a great staircase. Um, should we move to The Godfather? I can give a, a synopsis. Yeah, synopsis. Synopsis. Sweet, sweet Godfather. Okay, so The Godfather. So this was a three-hour-long movie again. Um, so I'm going to try to keep it short, but there's a lot that happens, so I'm just going to go over the main plot yeah, lines. Yeah, but broad strokes. 
uh, well, okay, hopefully they're broad strokes. Okay, so The Godfather um, is a, uh, a crime mobster movie set in either Brooklyn, Queens, or Long Island, you know. Greater New York, Yeah, one of the boroughs. Um, and it's set, it's, it takes place in 1945 is when it starts, so mm-hmm. it's just after the end of World War II. Um, it begins on the day of uh, Vito Corleone's daughter's wedding, um, also called Don Corleone, mm-hmm. or the Don. The Don. Um, and he is played by Marlon Brando, uh, and the Don is the head of a New York crime family, and um, on the day of this wedding, uh, his youngest son, Michael, who was a war hero in World War II, played by Al Pacino, um, it, and comes home to the wedding. So he comes home to visit the wedding. And we learn that he, Michael is very opposed to the sort of violent world of his father and his family. And he comes to the wedding with his girlfriend, Kay, played by Diane Keaton. Mm-hmm. So we've got a star-studded movie already. Um, and it's clear from a lot of events in the very beginning of this movie that Don Corleone helps people in unconventional ways as far as sort of using violence to secure favors and do justice and, you know, values family and values loyalty and will kind of right. go to whatever means necessary to maintain those things. Can I throw something out? Please. Uh, just that, you know, they're at this wedding. It's an Italian wedding. It's an Italian family. Oh, I didn't it's say just, that. Yes, yeah, it's just important. a big thing. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> and it's also like super important that he's bringing Diane Keaton, who is yes, not, not Italian. Italian. Thank you. Yes, that is a very mm. important thing. I appreciate that. Um, so the main plot of this movie is about this sort of brewing feud between the New York crime families. Mm-hmm. Um, which really gets kicked off when this guy named Salazzo, who has the support from an opposing family, the Tatalias, um, Salazzo approaches the Don Corleone asking for an investment in his narcotics operation. Um, but uh, Vito Don Corleone declines because he is very sort of, he's, he keeps saying like drugs, if we bring drugs in, then like drugs are bad, drugs are going to be like the end of us, like no drugs. Um, and he's also kind of suspicious of the whole proposal in general. So he sends Luca Brazzi, who is his like enforcer, big like mm-hmm. muscle man, to sort of spy on the Tatalias to kind of see what's going on with their narcotics deal and pretend that he's maybe interested in switching families. But they pick up on that and the Tatalias kill Luca. Um, and they also, maybe the next day or later that day or something, they also gun down Don Corleone on the street. So they shoot him, uh, and somehow he survives. He's badly injured, but he goes to the hospital. Um, and as soon as Michael finds out that his father's in the hospital, he sort of he's very affected by this act, and he, he rushes over to the hospital to help out, um, and it kind of becomes clear that he wants to get justice in some way for his father. It's sort of a moment, one of the first moments where we see him like really... Um, connected to his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, Michael uh, arranges with the, the rest of the family, his family, to, um, to meet up with Salazzo, who is the guy who you know, had brought the, the drug thing to them, to meet up with Salazzo in a restaurant um, where then he plans to kill him, right? Um, and so he does, and he kills Salazzo, mm-hmm. um, which is a very violent act and the first time that we've seen Michael do something that is sort of very morally questionable. Um, and this leads into war between the five families. All war breaks out. They're all like killing each other. There's a lot of, you know, carnage piling up and to, to protect himself because he's the one who, who killed Salazzo. Michael goes into hiding in Sicily. Um, so then there's a bunch of the movie where Michael's in Sicily, mm-hmm. uh, and where he sees this pretty lady there and he's like, I'm going to marry you. 
Uh, we're the whole time sort of like, wait a minute, how much time has passed? Also, where's Diane Keaton? You just kind of forgot about her. But anyways, he marries this lady in Sicily um, and has a, a little a little nice, quaint life there for a little while. And meanwhile, back in New York, um, Michael's older brother, Sonny, has taken over the family business while their father is recovering. And Sonny finds out that his sister, who's the one whose wedding was at the beginning, um, has been badly beaten by her husband. And so Sonny rushes out to confront him, but he gets ambushed um, on the way and killed. Uh, And then also in Italy, Michael's wife new wife dies in this car bomb uh, accident, which was clearly meant for Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Michael basically comes home uh, to sort of enter the family business to right these wrongs. He's like, I got to get back in the, the action, it seems, a little bit. And also he marries Kay. So Diane Keaton, is she's been working as a teacher or something, and she's like, where have you been? And he's like, I'm here. I want to marry you. Our business is going to be legitimate soon. Uh, and so she marries him. Um, and then it jumps sort of a little, a few years down the road where Michael and Kay are married. They have some small children, um, and Michael is taking charge of more and more business. What? Uh, they have children, Michael and Kay. In the, in the Godfather part one? Yeah. Yeah. They, they like have, isn't the, um, the kid who's playing with Don Corleone at the end, maybe he's not their child, but they have, they totally have kids. I don't think, no, he's not their child. She's like playing with his sister's kid, I thought. Okay, but I feel like they have kids. Well, either way, it's, the, the it's been a while. Is his sister's kid. She's yeah, pregnant. no, the christening. Okay, so well, it's been like a year at least. I guess it is because when he says "fuck me," is that it? Okay, That's so his... there's time to fucking kill myself. <laughs> um, because when he approaches Kay, she asks how long he's been back, and he does say like a year, yeah. maybe more. Yeah. Which is weird because the timeline that you're following while he's in Sicily does imply that it, he's only there for like a matter of months. Right, because he has a black eye. Like right. for the whole like time he's time. in Sicily yeah. while he gets married and stuff. Yeah. But then it does seem like it jumps uh, a couple years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Either way, they're married. Maybe they have a kid. Um, the more important thing, though, is that Michael is now like more and more involved with the family business. Uh, and he and his father, Don Corleone, the, you know, Vito, we'll call him now that he's just getting older. Um, they're sort of orchestrating this plan to take out the heads of the other families, despite this truce that Vito had attempted to broker between the families. Because when Sonny was killed, there's this moment where Vito just like sees all the destruction and is like, this has to end, kind of, right? But regardless, mm-hmm. um, Michael is sort of... Uh, and he also realizes when he tries to broker that piece, he realizes that the family that... He also just like realizes the links in the conspiracy of how the other families were trying to attack him. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, And so then Vito suffers a heart attack and dies Mm -hmm. uh, in this really, like, quiet, lovely little scene while he's playing with his grandson. Um, And so Vito dies. And then also Michael is agreeing to become the godfather to his sister's baby, um, which, as we've learned throughout the film, it is called the Godfather. A Godfather mm. is a very important relationship um, for their family and for their culture and everything. So uh, there is like this implication throughout this building that like Michael is stepping up to sort of replace his father. Right. Uh, and the battle, the sort of like assassination of all the other heads of the families, happens while Michael is while the ceremony is happening for the baptism mm-hmm. um, of his godson, and. And f- yeah, and and then Michael also confronts his sister's husband, 
because he thinks that he had conspired to like to get Sonny killed, that he had beaten up his wife just as a ruse to like get draw Sonny out. And he's like, yes, that I did do that. Uh, And then Michael killed, has him killed. uh, And then the last scene is Michael's sister like screaming and coming up at Michael like you did this, you killed him. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? And then Kay is there and she's like, is this true? And he's like, no. And he lies to her. Um, and she's like, oh, thank God, I'll go pour us a drink. But then she sees all these men approach Michael and they like kiss his hand and they call him Don Corleone and then they close the door uh, and, and shut her out. So mm. that's The Godfather. That's The Godfather. Uh, had, you, had you seen The Godfather before this? I had seen it one time. I actually saw it for the first time like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had heard it referenced like throughout my entire life, of for course, sure. and seen it referenced without really knowing what the reference point was, but knew that it was about the Godfather. So and having people be like, "You've never seen the Godfather?" Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, no. Exactly. Yeah. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like it's big. It's played. I think it's now reached the status of like all three movies getting a 24 hour marathon on mm. Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's also seen as like one of those, uh, you know, quintessentially like man films where it's like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, general man, what's your favorite movie? And it's like the Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah. And Die Hard. <laughs> you know, I fucking love those two movies, but like the, yeah, the Godfather is huge. Um, and, I love that accent that you do. Oh, I thank <laughs> the you. The guy, uh, yeah. The fucking, yeah. You <laughs> the fucking, fucking I love the Godfather. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so, <laughs> it's why, what's wild about the movie, <laughs> weird. Uh, there's been, there's some, Somebody's like dumping buckets of water outside the window. Yeah, it looks like snow. It looks it like did. it's snowing in a beautiful spring New York City. It's um, yeah, very strange. But the... The movie is so big now that it seems like, oh, this is, this was always big. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually, it was not mm-hmm. um, while it was coming out. So, uh, I mean, I mean like pre-production, not, I mean, once it came out, it was huge. Obviously, it was the top grossing film of the year. Um, it had a $5 million budget. Wow. And it made $245 million. That's a big profit. That is a good one. Um, the studio did not, uh, they were not going to let Coppola use Marlon Brando. Hmm. Um, and he was like, I, but I want it. Because so he, A, had had a series of failures in the 60s. And then B, he is just sort of notoriously hard to work with. Um, and also like doesn't memorize lines, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, there are pictures you can see from the Godfather and other movies where, you know, they're doing the scene and the frame in the movie is up close on him. But it, when you look back, actors are like wearing cue cards <laughs> because he doesn't memorize his lines. Uh-huh. Um, but, and, and, and I was listening to this other, this other podcast where he, the guy was explaining that he, uh, Coppola was explaining that the studio said that Brando would have to audition and he would have to work for free. What? Yeah. And the, he was like, we did, we ended up paying him. Like, we lied to the studio. Yeah. We paid him. But uh, they did make him oh audition. God. So even though he's like this 
twenty year mainstay. Wow. Who who was surely offer only. They made him audition. Um but this uh he was George C. Scott part two. He's the second actor to refuse the best Oscar best oh, fuck me. The best <laughs> actor Oscar. Wow. Um and this was the famous moment where when he won, instead of appearing, he had a Native American rights activist, Little Feather, who came and spoke on his behalf. Well, he's in his stead and spoke on behalf of Native Americans because he was a big Native American mm. rights activist. Wow. Um, it won the awards for Best Actor, uh, Best Screenplay, and Best Picture. Um, it's on a number of lists for like Best Film, Time Out, 98, Called the best film ever, ninety nine. Entertainment Weekly called it the best film ever. Uh, site Film Four in two thousand four was the second best film. The Writers Guild calls it the second best screenplay of all time. Um, What's the first? I wonder. That's a great I think question. It's the second. That's a great question. <laughs> um, so, things from this movie that are like huge and get referenced a lot. Um, the, the horse head. Oh, I thought. You well, were I was going to start with. I was the, gonna, just trying to guess. Okay, but well, the horse head okay. is one of them. Yeah. yeah so um, when there is a a studio head mm-hmm. who there's so there's a, a singer Johnny Fontaine and he wants to be the lead in this in this picture and in the, yeah and <laughs> and the the studio head won't give it to him mm-hmm. so then Robert Duvall goes to like convince him and then he's like nah there's not you know you're not gonna scare me and then like but in the meantime let me show come you look my at my prized stallion. my prized stallion i'm gonna make him a thousand dollars for that yeah. horse by the way he said in 1970 that's and crazy the studs like you can make so much money off mm-hmm. that so then he goes to bed wakes up the next morning the horse's head is in bed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really cool shot because you like yeah. see nothing and then his hand kind of comes up and it's got blood, blood on it and he's just finding more and more blood uh. and then he rips the covers off and the head is there and he's ah. just like yelling. Ah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then uh, the, the what I was going to lead with was the yeah. Brando voice. Oh, sure. You know, because he... That we have he, been doing right. that. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. I made him a novel. Good job, I think I... St- he his... Jaw out and he put like cotton in his mouth and he. This, talks like I was this. gonna ask if the because I had heard isn't this the one where it's like that he had put marbles in his mouth? That was also a. Um, I a had thing heard I had that heard. it was like like cotton. cotton. Mm, yeah. That seems more safe. So hopefully it's right cotton. and just and also that it wouldn't jangle. <laughs> you know, like if you're like I heard a. <laughs> <laughs> just got some loose teeth banging around yeah. in there. The sleeps with the fishes. Mm, yeah. That's uh, that's a big reference to this one. Um, a lot of things reference like Liz Moe with the leave the gun, take the cannoli. There's like a <laughs> yeah. lot of references to that. Um, mm-hmm. And then this is, uh, this isn't personal, just business. Mm. Um, in the office, they have a theory where uh, they do the setup of meeting of the five families. He like oh, the heads yeah, of the, the Dunder fam- Mifflin, <laughs> the Dunder Mifflin, yes, the, the like industrial sanitation. park. Yeah, the industrial yeah. park. Oh, oh my God. That's such a um, good one. Because the because of the the construction workers, mm-hmm. um, uh, cool thing, the the director of photography went on to become Woody Allen's director of photography. So as we get later into the seventies with Woody Allen films, um, you know, 
controversies aside, mm-hmm. they were like a very iconic style. They were uh, in a very like unconventional style for romantic comedies and things. And it was because he, I mean, he basically is credited with teaching Woody Allen about mm-hmm. light and angle and filmmaking. And sort of the um, also the the windshield shot at the end when they're killing, mm. when they're strangling his uh, brother-in-law, brother-in-law mm-hmm. it's all done. The camera is mounted on the hood of the car. He sits in the car. They're taking him because he's going to go fly out to Las Vegas. And then you see through the windshield, he gets strangled and pulled back. And then you see his legs flailing and then he mm-hmm. kicks through the windshield and it's shattering. And, and the car is like driving away the car's as driving it's happening. Away. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is Al Pacino's third movie ever. So this is his breakout role. Um, this revived Brando's career. Which, so he went on to have like Apocalypse Now, um, a number of movies, but I'm going to hold off on, on one of them. Um, Wait, what does that have to do with the windshield thing? Oh, it's just oh, another cultural oh, thing. Oh, that's, okay. just, that, that's in the... That's, so Gordon Willis, the director of photography. Oh, okay. He's he created that shot. I mean, he mm-hmm, created all mm-hmm. these different shots. So, like seeing that, Woody Allen brought him on and was bringing that kind of style to got films it, like it. Annie Hall. Got it. Um, for Robert Duvall, this was kind of mid-career for him, so it wasn't as big. Um, James Caan was in an explosive time in his career because it was uh, the it was the year after Brian's Song, which was huge. It was him and Billy D. Williams and he's like they're football players and he gets he gets cancer um i said that <laughs> in said a way that, that was really not like yeah he gets cancer he dies you know whatever yeah. it's a great film moving Watch on it. moving, moving on. on yeah um <laughs> this was diane keaton's third movie ever um this was her first like major play was in 69 and then this was yeah like wow. her third movie this is cool. her breakout Another. role Woody Allen um, connection. Johnny Fontaine. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a really controversial character to have in the film because uh, it was seen very clearly as a reference to Sinatra, mm-hmm. um, who rather famously would like crack down on people who mentioned rumors of his mob ties. Um, so that like really pissed him off. And then... This is just something silly. Um, a lot of people have theories about oranges because there's a lot of oranges in the film. Mm-hmm. And as there's always like a shot of oranges right before somebody gets killed. Oh. And so they're seen a lot of times in like forums as the harbinger of death. Oh. Um, however people on the team are just like the film is really dark and drably colored so we <laughs> put, put oranges, oranges in there in to have like a bright color <laughs> that's um, funny yeah so <laughs> it, it's that. just kind of funny um, it makes me think of the windmill from Patton wonder if it's right was you, there just a you, windmill right, that day you just read all right. that into it <laughs> Stephen right yeah <laughs> I was it's like, like I don't know it's a windmill yeah like we <laughs> it's a countryside someone was like oh we need to get a quick shot of him walking away and the camera was already mounted right. there just happened to be a windmill there like <laughs> Just followed the two thirds rule and called it a day. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, I'm sitting here being like, but tea leaves, <laughs> right. it, it windmill, windmill symbolism in the tea leaves. leaves. <laughs> um, yeah. So, are we? Yeah, ready? we should see. Yeah, this I'm, is quite the day. I think okay. I'm. 
I think I'm ready too, but I'm nervous. I are you ready? Okay. All right. Okay. Three. Eins. (laughs) Dos. Chino. Both. Keep them both? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, whoa. Dope. High five. Touching the hands. Without making any sound. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I was nervous. Yeah. I was like, I think I need them both. Yeah, I want yeah, them both. Yeah, same, which I feel so weird about. I, I am conflicted. I'm excited to discuss. I'm especially conflicted about it with, well, both of them. But Really? You're especially well, conflicted with All in the Family? <laughs> yes. How'd you know? Wow. <laughs> Wait, is that the opposite of you? I wasn't conflicted with all in the family. Oh, really? I know I have really? so I guess let me let me put it this way. There were two issues that I had with all in the family. One of them to me reflects where culture was at the time in terms mm-hmm. of certain discussions. Mm-hmm. But uh should I just go ahead and yeah, jump right yeah, in? Yeah. I <laughs> think that Edith does not mm-hmm. get significant justice in uh, episode to episode. I think that she is treated very poorly for laughs. I think that in one of the episodes that we're going to talk about, she is being sort of very forthright and not taking the normal shit that she's put to, but that is framed as a joke. Yeah. Couched in the premise of the episode. Um, Agreed. I, yeah, I thought, however, I know that there are some episodes where she stands up, but it's like, no, he's so rude to her that it can't be one episode every mm-hmm. two seasons, right, you know? Right, right. Um, how yeah. about you? Yeah, well, so I I also just am curious because we watched, you know, like, you've, I guess, though, you've seen episodes before when you were younger, kind of? Yeah, should we describe, um, I guess, how we chose the episodes? Sure, yeah, so, well, we we, we watched, like, well, I watched five. Well, yeah, I watched Stephen six, watched six. <laughs> um, so, just to preface it by saying, like, these were from two different lists of, like, the ten best episodes from All mm-hmm. in the Family, and we, like, cross-referenced and watched the ones that were the same. Right. Um, and so, because they're from that those lists, I'm wondering if that is a, you know, what we watched was a subsection of, like, particularly... Um, episodes that particularly like were were pushing a point of view that was like that that lasts that lingers in a good way and mm-hmm. whether or not like the rest of the show didn't quite do that and so I just don't know how I guess I don't know how um, unique the episodes were that we watched and as far as like their message I'd say I don't think they were that unique. I mean, we didn't watch any of the episodes with the Jeffersons. There's a very right. famous episode with uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Mm. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, famous episodes that, that we didn't really watch. It seems to be everyone who mentions the show is like they put bigotry on television and made fun of it. And that like that that, that is basic basically the concept of the show yep. I mean, to the extent that Seinfeld is quote unquote about nothing. All in the family is about, uh, putting up this traditional American bigot yeah. and lampooning. it. Yeah. And that's, and that's the reason I'm conflicted is because it's a question that I have in general, as far as comedy, um, which is like, is it, is it actually a helpful and effective, uh, social tool to to you know you to create comedy around characters who are sort of repulsive you know mm-hmm. or like characters who embody traits or points of view that we uh, that we disagree with or that yeah. you know seem wrong to me you know 
And and so like this show just makes me think about that question. But I actually feel the uh, this week um, while I was thinking about on the family. Um, my Quint, my partner was watching an episode of The Office, and it was the one, the sexual harassment one from right. season one. And I was like cringing. So I was like, I cannot watch this. Uh, and I used, to, I love The Office, and I used to watch it all the time. And like the level, uh, though, in that in particular of like how the how the extreme like sexual harassment and racism is like portrayed by this character is very different from like All in the Family, you know. And so I, I actually. That's sort of why I do want to keep it. Um, I guess I'm lost. Are you saying that that All in the Family is a little bit better about showing Archie as wrong in a way that The Office doesn't always do? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think in All in the Family... um, Exactly. Like, the other characters are are clearly right and Mm. are... And, like, when Archie is funny, usually it's about, like, his... Uh, him just being so wrong that we're like, oh, that's laughable because you are so clearly wrong, you know, Um, versus like someone like Michael Scott who is like embodying and impersonating like like stereotypes and like doing really offensive, saying really offensive jokes, you know, and like we're kind of laughing at the joke, but we're also like laughing at how awful he is. Right. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's also something with, Archie Bunker that I don't necessarily see is true of Michael Scott where, you know, with the way that the jokes are set up, the way that the structure is set up, like you're laughing at him and like you have to, you have to disagree. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you like, he is portrayed by the show, by the jokes as wrong and as like an asshole or stupid. Mm-hmm. And so if you're like, oh, but I mean, he's right. Then you're like, oh, I guess I'm also an asshole slash stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's a really effective thing for this show to do of like the characters who are, who are older, uh-huh. um, like their struggle to like change their point of view and their worldview. Like the people who are watching this show, it's like, like, older people would want to watch the show, I imagine, right. because they're like, oh, I identify, or I remember the depression too, or, you know, right. like all these things that are referenced. But then, like, they are, like, subversively, like, watching these older characters, like, need to change. And, like, even if they don't fully change mm. in the course of an episode, they're, like, their ideas are questioned in a way that's just, like, really helpful. And they are... Uh, something that is interesting with uh, one of the episodes that I guess we'll get into pretty quickly is that that they're sort of the... Tra- a, like a parodied version of the traditional American family that you'd see in like uh, Andy Griffith, et cetera. But they, there are, and they're very old school, but there are other people their age that are very different. Mm-hmm. And so it's even showing like this sort of mainstream, like, like, depiction or sort of like propaganda for the what the appropriate best family should be it's are it's also stating like that's not a reality for a lot of people and that it's like not enjoyable mm. for a lot of people there's a lot of people like in trying to live that way end up like hating their lives mm. um yeah do we want to get into the episodes in particular yeah i guess we can just sort of like talk about um some things that happen in each of them Right. Um, so 
this is I don't know what order you watched them in. Uh, um, I watched them in the wrong order because I was <laughs> I was emotionally Did you start assaulted. with Cousin Liz? It was the oh. third one, and I'm... Oh, it's an emotional one. It's an intense one. I watched it last because it last? Stephen told me to watch it last. Yes. So thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, the first one that I watched was what we thought was called Cousin Maud's Visit, but it turns out that that's a different one. Well, yeah, um, some of the titles were hard to Yeah, watch. yeah, yeah. Um, but that one basically is about um, the bunkers were invited to the bridal shower of um, Edith's... Uh, Edith's cousin's daughter? Is it her cousin? Yeah. Yeah, her cousin's her, daughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so basically, but the, sh- the episode really centers around um, her cousin. So her cousin Maude and her daughter, who's getting married. Mm. Um, like her, her daughter realizing that she does not want to marry this guy who um, she was going to marry because he comes, he like comes home from the bachelor party and is like, yeah, I bought us a house today. And mm-hmm. don't worry, when you quit your job, you're gonna do this, and you're gonna love right. cooking, right? And like, she, this, the episode is basically all about like her deciding to reject this marriage, and like. Her you think family. that that's what the episode's all about? I think that's like the A story of it. Yeah, but to me, that happens so late in the episode. Well, that it's about it, her. I mean, that's the culmination well, of the A story, which is like about this. But this I feel like there's so much wedding. about the fact that I mean, yes, it's about the wedding, but like she's. Um, a, like this is her second marriage. She has an mm-hmm. eight-year-old kid. Um, he's Jewish. She's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, I also, um, so yeah. There's like a bunch of stuff around sort of anti-Semitism mm-hmm. uh, and marriage, right. and then being divorced and right. Like being I, married. yeah. I thought it was pretty. It, it, it struck me as huge that she was like. when she was explaining that she didn't understand why she had to get married. It was only, she was only getting married in the first place as like a gesture for, I don't know, some, they took issue with the like a whole concept of marriage in the first place, which didn't seem like something I was going to be watching in the Mm seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Although fun fact, Mm. apparently the like crazy divorce rate in America is actually, uh, it's not that high. Um, the like 60% or whatever. It's not that high that that is like a skewed uh, metric from this time period. Cause this is when around the time period in which like the norms and values sort of shifted. And there were a lot of people, even more people still getting married out of like having to get married and then ending up unhappy and getting divorced. Um, so like now the divorce rate is much lower but because it was higher then. less people get hmm. married. Ah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's less of a, there's less of a push to get married regardless of whether or not you want to now. Mm-hmm. So even though it's still there, it's less. So the like big, huge swell of divorces in America were actually in the like sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, job. Um, yeah. The, they also talk about like <laughs> white, Mm-hmm. bridal gowns. Right, and right. And like innocence, virginity, right. <laughs> purity and all these things. Yeah. And also in that, like the, the being the entryway for me into All in the Family, I was like, oh, every single other character hates Archie. Oh, cool. You know, like yeah. now I understand like the point of view of, <laughs> it's like right. Archie's the worst. Yeah, Everyone's like, they, oh, does he really have to come? hate him, yeah. Which is fun. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I think, I, I feel like since there are a bunch of episodes, we don't need to like break down each one, but just like talking about there's so many, I mean, all the things that you mentioned as far as this being the first show to tackle various issues, it's like just in these 
five or six episodes yeah. that we watched, so many of them. Because the next one that I watched was the one about where Edith like realizes that she is going through menopause. You know, oh, or, like, oh, okay. Um, that was the next one that I watched, uh, which was, uh, yeah, I was like, wow, this show is, it's like showing, it's, and again, the A story of that show, episode too is like her and her daughter, her daughter being like, mom, I think this is what's happening to you. Right. And her like confronting all of her feelings as a, an older woman about like, what does that mean about my sexuality, my identity as a woman, as a wife, as a mom? Like, is am I unattractive now? Like, right. who like, am will I? Will he stop you know? loving me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like that was just such a important thing to to watch. Yeah. And I feel like I even today I don't like see a lot of shows that like talk about menopause very much. No, it's like, uh, shoot, I think there was like a Seventh Heaven episode about it, <laughs> oh, and then I used in, to love that show. <laughs> and then Father of the Bride Part Two, she thinks it's menopause. Actually, it's a baby. So, um, but yeah, that I, I did think her and Gloria, like her and the daughter, that, that there were a number of touching scenes where she was mm-hmm. really trying to help her feel like she would still be loved and that it doesn't mean that she's old and mm-hmm. that she, that it can happen really any time. Like it, it, it doesn't, mean you're old and there was one there was one um quote from Edith where she was like um should I do the voice um I can, I mean you can do it I think go ahead I think I shouldn't think I might water down the <clears throat> I could do the voice if you'd like but what is the thing yeah well the, the well she was just like you know she was she's just afraid of getting of of menopause and afraid of getting older and because um, part of the show really delves into sort of her as uh as just being super sheltered and so she was just like you know when i got married i didn't know everything a girl should know yeah and And now now i'm gonna be an old lady (laughs) and i don't know everything an old lady should know (laughs) that was well done and i agree i loved that moment really touched me Mm -hmm. and and the other side of it too of like the relationship between mother and daughter of like uh a thing that I totally that because it was another line that was said in that same scene where she was like, "You're my daughter, and you're talking, you know, like telling, yeah. teaching me this thing, you know, which is such a great thing that happens with, as you grow older, and like you and your parent, like the roles reverse sometimes, and like right. you are no longer like you become equals, you know, in this interesting way, and I feel like that's what that was doing too, you know, these right. two women like talking about their sexuality and their bodies, like it, which is so cool. Yeah, I, I do feel part of me feels like uh, growing part of growing into adulthood is like growing into the realization that your parents are human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I still don't feel like that's depicted much. So this idea of insecurity about how to do life being depicted by someone who's not just an adult, but in their 60s, is I feel like huge. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, what was the next? The next one, one I watched, watched was the Bunkers and the Swingers. Oh yeah, <laughs> which was so fun. The title says it all. Oh really. my god! So she is. So Edith is just you know wanting to make friends. She has a pen pal, and so she finds this ad, this personal ad in a magazine because she like finds this this recipe for a cupid's pie and there's all this spiced fruit but she finds in the in the section at the end there's like 
a personal swap ad. Section. The swap, swap section. And she's like, oh, you not don't swap things. You swap people. And <laughs> they're just like a lonely couple looking to have fun. And all this. You're just like. They're swingers. Everyone <laughs> realizes the, even though some of the language doesn't stick around today, mm-hmm. um, th- she shows Gloria and then Gloria looks at it and is like, oh my, like. Mom, no, you can't do that. And she's like, "They're coming tomorrow." Right. And then, uh, and then they're they're about to go to the ballet, and so she gets you know meathead in, and he she's like, "Look at this," and he's like, "No, we got to go look." And he's like, "Uh, she, mm-hmm. uh <laughs> yeah, it's yeah." And then they show up um, a day early because it was a postcard that they sent, so obviously yeah. it's a day late. He's like, uh, and, "You're coming yeah. tomorrow," but it was yesterday when I sent it, so tomorrow's right. today. But I got it today. Yeah, and they really um, extend the humor because even when they arrive, like Edith and Archie have no idea what it means, like what they're actually there for. Right. Um, so it's it's really fun, and it was fun too to just be like, "Oh, these are like older people who like just wanna like." You know, they're, like, sexual, and they're also older and, like, not exactly conventionally attractive, you know? It was, and you Mm -hmm. knew who, you spotted who it was right away, didn't you? Of who? What? Of the other couple? Yeah. No. The the man or the woman? So, it's important to know, B. Arthur was Maud um, in All the Family, so who went on to be Maud in Maud, and then also, uh, I believe, Dorothy in Golden Girls in... The Bunkers and the Swingers, Rue McClanahan is the wife, who also was in Golden Girls. Oh. Yeah. Did you not watch Golden Girls? I've never watched Golden Girls. I know. I've been... Don't give me the you never watched Godfather thing twice. (laughs) I hadn't... No, No, but I didn't give you that look. You reminded me I just That's what people do, but (laughs) I didn't give you that look. Like that's not. you gave me the look. It's... Anyways. So no, I I didn't... I didn't treat you like that. I didn't... No, you... I didn't do it. Um, Uh, I did not know that. But yeah, yeah, another episode where it's just sort of like uh, the sexuality of Mm. older people is like, here we are. And I also was like, I wonder, do people today identify as swingers? Like, is that still a thing that I mean, I think now maybe people just call themselves like poly. Open marriage. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Or or an open marriage. Or Mm. I know that like... um, I would see it on a lot of like Tinder profiles, women being Swinger. like, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> women being like, uh, you see a lot of negative comments of like, you know, not looking for a hookup, not looking for this, you know, it's like not looking to be your third. Mm-hmm. And like that people will sort of put uh, dating profiles on either very explicitly looking to have fun with a third person um, or they'll they'll sort of deceptively have two separate profiles and then once they get into conversation be like oh I'm actually looking to spice up my marriage and mm. we be our third mm. um, yeah so yeah I don't know I don't think it's <laughs> right. quite like a, you know hey we're swinging, swinging. Right. yeah uh, <laughs> uh, also I thought it was pretty uh, raunchy is the word that's coming to mind. Sexy? Raunchy. Well, no, like it very clearly implies that they tape themselves. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. they like take, take photos naked and... photos and they take photos of themselves it's having true. sex and stuff. Yeah. And they're, yeah. 
showing them to Archie and Edith. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, they're, they're a dirty little couple. Yeah. And, and, and also proud of it. Yeah. And think that it is very, that they're the bunkers sexual, like prude prudishness. Yeah. Is weirder. Yeah. Than their openness. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty great. And I, I did feel like, um, that once it all sort of comes out and boils over and they just start explaining that they were feeling so trapped in their marriage and, you know, they're in the living room. They do all this, you know, they do this fox trotting, which excites Edith and Archie, but like they're kind of just dancing. But then the other couple is, it it is a a hilarious parody. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is really great physical comedy. It is is so funny. And so while they're dancing, they're like, you know, they're very clearly displaying like, look how good at sex we're going to be. But then when it all sort of boils over, that's when, you know, Rue McClanahan gives the, this sort of speech about how unhappy they were in their marriage. And that really, this has been like a great thing that they've gotten to do together and really, uh, yeah. like kind of saved their marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It was very touching. It was touching. No, and that's, well, and speaking of touching, the next one I watched was Tuesday Crowd. Ugh, all right. Did you not like this one? Well, I thought I mean, this was, the, this was like, uh, probably the weakest one on the list mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one. I, so in Edith's problem where she's going through menopause, mm-hmm. that was the episode where I felt like um, she was really saying things that needed to be said by her character. Mm-hmm. And yet her saying them was kind of this joke about being hormonal and going through menopause. Um, yeah. So that, that, that annoyed me. Um, this one I thought was just the least funny one. Yeah, it was yeah. the least funny, which was an interesting... It was also very late in season eight, uh, which I maybe was the last season. I'm not sure. But I thought that maybe had something to, to do with it because it was a more, like... It was a more, like, emotional yeah. um, one. Because the whole idea of it is that, like, um, Meathead Michael has gone to spend the day helping Archie at his store, and then they accidentally get locked in the storeroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole episode basically takes place in the storeroom. And, uh, and they're like, it sort of just leads to them talking about like, why do you have like, you know, cause Michael's often sort of like, why do you have to judge people? Why do you have to like put people in different categories? Like, why can't you just see we're all humans, you know? Um, which then like Archie has this really like, I thought it was a very like impressive moment that he, it was sort of camera work and the acting of mm. where he starts this thing that sounds sort of like gruff Archie, like everything we're expecting where he's, um, because basically the idea was that like Meathead is like well, maybe your father who taught you all these values is, was wrong, you know? And then Archie, what? (laughs) I just loved, so it is, I mean, like he's a racist, so it's not, he is wrong, but I thought what he said about his father was really powerful. Yeah. I I wrote that down. So I hope that you wrote it down too. I didn't write down word for word. So you should go ahead and say it because basically though it starts and you didn't write down the whole, I I have it, but I don't have the whole episode script, but (laughs) please build it up, build it up. Well, so yeah, so it starts with Archer just sort of like being 
incensed of sort of like, what do you mean my father's wrong? The father, like a father, you know, takes you on walks and holds your hand and right. brings you candy back from back at, you know, after a long day of work. And uh, you can, do you want to? Well, he's like where? wrong, <laughs> like wrong. No, it's like you're supposed to love your father because mm-hmm. your father loves you. And how can anyone that loves you tell you anything that's wrong? And it's just like... He actually said, any man that loves you, which I just really liked. There was, yeah, like there was something that... There was a lot about sort of male Mm -hmm. affection because, you know, talking about, you know, loving the the sense of his father taking him by the hand. And But then it also, like, it goes before that moment, though, he also... He's like, he takes you by the hand. He does all these really nice things. And like, he, you know, he, he slaps you if you did something wrong. And he locks you in the clo- He locked me in the closet for seven hours when I, because he loves me. You know, like there's right. all these like little, like, oh, there's all this sort of abuse from your childhood yeah. that you don't see as abuse. You just see as like the way a father is a father. Um, and so it, the whole epic, like, and then he just like has this monologue and he like gets really emotional in that moment. And then it like ends with Michael just sort of like, lying him down, letting him go to sleep and just sort of looking at him with this sort of like confused, like just the, all these emotions, you know? And, uh, and it was a really amazing little like window into this character and this mm-hmm. like point of like, he is so staunch in his views of like, this is what's right. This is how I was taught. But also he's like becoming a little more vulnerable there of like these other things happen, which right. I don't know. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Cause you know, they, lampoon him and make fun of him right but then they were like you know it's it's also worth acknowledging probably that you know he got this from like somewhere right you know and like is there a way can i go political i mean let's do it (laughs) so like you know we got when you look at like, I don't know if you've ever read, you did read because of our book club. Oh, we read a book club. Yeah. Um, well, like people. Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, with with regard to like the Trump base, mm-hmm. it's easy to dismiss them and get mad at them for their sort of bigotry, but there is a lot of social, there are a lot of social factors and a lot of like pain there that makes it, I mean, really, it's like, yeah, you're going to be racist, you know? Like, and, and it's, obviously, I'm not excusing that in any way, but there is, you know, you know, if there are towns where you can pay a bar tab with Oxycontin, like, this is, mm. I mean, these places are just terrible, and they have, they're horrible houses that they can't sell, and people are malnourished. I mean, in this area, in these areas, you've got, you know, Mountain Dew mouth because you didn't oh, read it. You remember right. that? Where, yeah, where it's mm-hmm. just like a chronic thing where people are so mm-hmm. poorly educated about dental hygiene and about um, about nutrition that they're just drinking all this Mountain Dew from such a young age without you know proper proper dental care. That by like their like teenage years, their gums and their teeth are like hypersensitive from drinking soda. Um, and so it's just worth showing, like, yes, this guy's wrong, but, like, also there's sort of pain yeah, in him, too. Yeah, and he's part of this system and this cycle, right. you know, that is continually perpetuating itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patriarchy touches us all. It does. It does indeed. 
Um, and the last one that I watched was Cousin Liz, which is a really um, <clears throat> yeah. Did, it make, did you cry? I a little bit. I cried during it, hmm. and then after the episode was over, I cried for like fifteen minutes. Wow. I, wow. I I actually hey, found it you. very difficult to move on. This was the third episode that I watched, mm-hmm. so I was trying to go immediately from that into Choose a Crowd, mm-hmm. and I just, like, I couldn't, I actually, I, I couldn't, I had to pause it because mm-hmm. I couldn't keep going. Wow. wow. Yeah, well, to set the scene, because I'm sure everyone is like, why, what was so emotional about this? Um, it's the, so Archie and Edith are going to the funeral of, um, Edith's cousin Liz, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. uh, at the uh, after the funeral at the reception. Who is it? It's think? a uh, it's the, kind of like a memorial service yeah, at their yeah, apartment, yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, just to be even more clear, she was pretty young. She was like maybe 40s. forty, um, teacher, and you know she didn't have any living relatives. It, she didn't have like. Edith what is their is her closest living relative. Yeah. Um and and they set it up with like yeah. she she must not have a lot of money because she had to have a roommate all mm-hmm. this time. She lives right. with this other woman who's a teacher and then um you know but they're like but Archie is like oh well if she, if she does have any money like you're her closest living relative so you right. should get that inheritance whatever it is. So then they're at the sort of memorial service and they meet her roommate mm-hmm. um and essentially and there's like the I was about to I'm sorry. Fuck me. I'm sorry. I just was so worried about what I was set up gonna the this whole inheritance. Uh, so obviously, uh, I'm gonna mention I'm the sorry. Tea set. I didn't mean it. Well, you, it's okay. But I will now mention the tea set. Um, the t- <laughs> so as they're sitting there in the memorial service, it's okay, Stephen. You don't have to cry again. You've already cried too much about this episode. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> um, that. Uh, now I'm thrown off. That's so that they see this like really nice silver tea set in her apartment. And Edith is like, oh, that's been in my family for a hundred years. It's real silver. It's worth like thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. So Archie's like, oh, great. That's, you're going to get that tea set. Right. Um, and then the roommate, I'm forgetting her name now. What do you remember her name? Veronica, maybe? maybe well, let's go with that. Maybe it's Veronica. Remember. She pulls Edith aside and she's like, I heard you talking about the tea set. Uh, and then she sort of is sent like slowly, painfully, explains the fact that they were not roommates, they were in love, and that they were a couple for 25 years, uh, and they never told anyone. And she also is like, of course we didn't tell you as the family. Can you imagine we would have both, of course, lost our jobs? We could not, we wouldn't have been allowed to be teachers mm-hmm. if people knew we were gay and in a, in a relationship together. Uh, and Edith sort of ha- is like first sort of shocked and doesn't know what to do with this information, but then she's like, I can, she sees, you know, they were in love and she's like, the mm-hmm. tea set is yours. Like, no problem. Like, I'll give it to you because you were her closest living relative, right? Like, you were essentially married right. to her. Um, and then Archie interrupts and is like, oh, we're going to get the tea set. Here we go. You know, and, and then Edith explains to Archie actually, you know, what the real situation was between Veronica and Liz. Um, whew, and then there's a really intense moment where he super rejects, he's like, well, we're in a court of law. We could find out if that tea set is mine or is ours or yours, right? Because you go to you go to let's let a judge decide if you were the closest living relative, right? Right. Um, and sh- and Veronica's like, I would lose my job if you sue me. Like, 
what? You know, yeah. and, and he's like really like threatening to sue her and it's really nasty and he seems like very, you know, uh, bigoted, offensive. And, and yeah, and Edith sort of like, <clears throat> she, she basically phrases it the way of like, I would never have thought you would do something so cruel to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that finally kind of like sinks in for him and, and he's like, I won't sue you. Um, you can have it, you know. Well, there was, there were, that was one of the big moments where um, he, she goes, you're not gonna, um, like, you're not, we're not taking the tea set. And he's like, you mean you're gonna disobey your husband? Mm-hmm, right. And she goes, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. everyone's like, woo, yeah, in the I audience. Mean, <laughs> um, and then he's, um, like, holding, there's another, like, a moment where, you know, like, he's holding it hostage and then he references it references you know how they're going against how you know they were going against god and i'll say and then either was like well he's god you ain't yeah and like that was another like huge yeah reaction but like yeah i mean they're i wrote that down too Mm -hmm. the level of like fear and insecurity that that implies that this episode relates. It doesn't imply, um, basically informs people because the reality is at this point, it's like so many people conceal, even to this day, conceal their sexuality. So like maybe, you know, people, who are openly gay. I, I I feel like because my mom was performing a lot, like I always knew people and I'm just from a more slightly like a more liberal city, always knew people who were openly gay. Um, but a lot of people don't. And so have no insight into perhaps their fears. Um, and I think that this, I mean, I really, you know, despite the people that that I know, still didn't have the, like, the, the push to empath- empathize with just how awful it would be. Um, yeah. Yeah. What no, it was really powerful. Say more? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I, that's agreed. It was very powerful. I mean... Yeah, and it just made me, it just, it really makes you think about, like, because we, the truth is, before 2015, all of this was still an issue Mm. in many states, and, you know, visitation rights in the hospital, inheritance rights, insurance, all of these things were still you know, putting people in a position of, of, of wild insecurity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel, and this was the episode that made me, um, really cement that thought of like how this is such a perfect subversive, like conduit for an audience of older people to, uh, see their ideas challenged because we see like Edith challenging Archie on his ideas, you know, is like they are more, an older audience is more likely to, 
relate to and listen to an older character. And so like seeing her in the course of the episode, like, you know, wrestle with this and the way that she, the way that she talks to him about it and the way that she like moves him to this Mm -hmm. kind place is like, is just really powerful. And in a way that like, I'm sure would be more effective than like a younger couple talking about it, you know, because they're just, the because they're the youths, the, yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And even um, there was a moment where she was saying, like, they wouldn't let me teach right. if they knew. And she was like, well, that doesn't affect the brain, does it? But I'm sure a lot of people would make that exact argument. So yeah. by putting yeah. it in their mouths as something that you have to see as wrong, right? I mean, it... Yeah, it was yeah. very powerful. And in the same, like, when Archie's, like, railing against her, mm-hmm. like, he has so many moments in that episode of, like, deliberately where he's, like, looking really dumb and foolish, like, where yeah. he says the wrong word and, like, the audience laughs at it. Like, he says Candlestein instead of clandestine. Right. Uh, it's like, your Candlestein relationship, you know, and, like, everyone's laughing. And it's, like, they are purposefully, like, showing that, he, you know, everyone else's intelligence is, you know, higher right. than his. So, like, we don't listen to him. Um. Should we, we should move on to the Godfather. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so, is this the one in. that you do? You need a tissue? Is I'm that okay. what you need? No, I'm okay. okay. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a man. I don't believe in wiping tears. I'm a big believer. In, I have a big believer in uh, male tears. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like I don't believe in men having tears. That's no, I know. I know. Like. I'm saying that like I think that like you should let it out. You should just cry and not wipe your tears away and just show the world that you cry. Oh, totally. I just was like, maybe you need a tissue, but you don't, you're not visibly crying or snotty for our listeners. Let the record show. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the Godfather. (laughs) Um, Uh, this is the one that you were, were you on the fence about this one? Yeah, I was really, uh, yeah, Yeah. this was the one that I was like, I don't, I, I struggle to keep it. Um, so, I mean, to, I don't even know where to begin. Where, where I, do you well, think so here, begin? what I'm thinking is I, I, the, the big, the two things for me that I took the most from this film, which like created this struggle was like the, the thing that I like really take huge issue with is all the female characters and the way that they're treated in this movie, mm-hmm. because literally they are all. Like the 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 wife, the woman who gets abused by her husband, it's like all of that abuse is just a it's a literal device for like the plot and like the male characters to for things to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And then like the question of of like this random woman in Italy who Michael just looks at and then is like asks her father is like, I'm gonna marry her, you know, and then like meanwhile he's left Kay behind and then he comes back and she doesn't he literally the He's like, Kay, I love you. I need you. Marry me. She doesn't even respond. She just walks into a car behind him. You know, like, there's there's just, like, so much, uh, just such really horrible representation of women. And, and like, n- we don't get to see their point of view or, like, how mm-hmm. they feel about these things that are happening to them um, at all. But the, the thing that I, like, really made me want to keep it is, like, so many of the movies we've talked about already, that's, like, the question of, like the point of view about the violence and about the like machismo and the like this sort of male, uh, this like need to be what it is to be a man and like the like violence of that and like the, the power, you know, like all these things like that other movies haven't had a clear point of view on. I feel Mm -hmm. like the point of view in this movie is really, um, powerful, you know, 
uh, even just in like there's so many and there's so many visual things that happen in the movie that like clue us into that you know and like that last shot where she like where Kay watches him like become the next Don and like have the door shut on her you know yeah. uh, and then like a moment when they're in when he's in Sicily and there's no men in Sic- in like in Corleone right. Sicily yeah. and there's just like a throwaway line of like oh they're all dead from vendettas you know and like absolutely and we see uh, Don Corleone Vito like his his like he seems really torn between his genuine desire for his son to not have gotten involved in this and his like need for like vengeance and justice and so like i feel like he actually in an interesting way this is like the marlon brando don like becomes like a moral center you know of like he has realized that this has gone on too far um but at the same time he's like on this train that won't stop you know um so I do feel like the point of view on this violence is like this is unsustainable and like eventually everyone will just kill each other, you know, if this right. is like what happens. Um, so I do feel like that's a really important message to have, right. um, especially when there are so many other movies in these years that are like just showing the violence and not giving a point of view about it. Do you, I don't know if you remember when we were talking about uh, Patton and like the idea of it sort of being impossible to make Mm-hmm. like a truly anti-war right, movie. Right, because you're going to be showing war. Right, mm-hmm. it's like, like this is a, I feel like a prime example of really it is depicting how this lifestyle destroys him. Yeah. Um, and all of his relationships. And yet it's still, you know, lots of people think it's just like the coolest <laughs> film ever. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like that's sort of like a peak example. But it's like that's why, you know, throw throw Patton away mm-hmm. because, like, I don't want to see any of this violence, any of this this toll, like, without any of the cost. Um, so I did like that. Um, now, with uh, – <laughs> this is kind of a throwaway thing, but I was also like – it's just – a, it's it's a well shot movie. The story is really well told, it is. and it's like it's so much better than fucking bullshit French Connection. French connection. And we that. get a cop shooting a man in the back on the stairs, and it's a dirty cop, so we get to check mm. that list off for the police. And the like the it's it's like a bad, bad guy. He falls and he tumbles down the stairs. It's just a much better shot. Mm-hmm. In general. Yes. Sorry, but Coppola is not your... Not your rival, rival. buddy. Uh, (laughs) Different I think his name was. Sorry. Um, But yeah, I wondered... So something I thought that was interesting about... um, This is so silly. Um, But I did think it was interesting that they let Al Pacino be shorter than Diane Keaton. (laughs) And they didn't do Hmm. cinema tricks that go back, I mean, to the beginning of film to make the man look taller than the woman. She was taller than him. Now... With regard to women, I, um, so it was, di- it, it, it was difficult. Um, one, I thought that like, you are, you're right that like w- women are used as devices a lot, um, to show Sonny's like hot headedness. Yep. He's like always wanted to jump into stuff and he's always fucking women. Apparently right. in the book it is this is a this is one of the, like the few films that is seen as unilaterally better than the book. Hmm. Um 
And there's apparently a lot of references to the size of Sonny's dick. Really? A <laughs> lot. And there's basically one in this, which is during the wedding, you see his wife oh, go, with eh, hands. Eh. Yeah, it's like hands together, larger, <laughs> larger, larger. And then she looks over her shoulder and sees him like, like talking, with talking to woman. a bridesmaid. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And then, later and then she has like a jealousy it. moment. Yeah. Um, but, hmm. I, but it doesn't really. I don't feel like it was really done in a way that was crucial to the story. It was just a way of being like, and he fucks too. Mm-hmm. Um, now and with Sonny also just like, and women like the, his sister, who is the one who is beaten. And there's a couple scenes where we see the abuse that she goes through, um, by her husband. Like, uh, this there's, yeah, the, the big scene where like she gets really badly, beaten and she's pregnant and i thought she and was he gonna was, lose the baby right because he was and i don't know if this was like the honestly the screen violence is actually the only part of this movie that i feel like really doesn't hold up mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. there were a lot of moments where like mm-hmm. angles are even <laughs> missed there's a moment where so like he he finds sunny finds his sister and she's um been hit so he goes finds her husband beats the shit out of him in the street. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how he knows that if he beats her, Sonny will come after him. Right. Um, but. And he beats her because she finds out that he's having an affair. Like he, it's, right. I probably orchestrates it. I feel like so that his, somebody, a woman calls the house and is like, is Sonny there? Tell him I won't be there till later. Right. You know, and the wife has picked up the phone. And so she's like, yells at him for, for cheating on her and then mm-hmm. he just goes crazy and she's like smashing plates because she's really right. mad and she's pregnant uh, and then he just like really bad and he gets his belt out and then like the last thing we don't even see it she like falls into the bathroom and we just yeah. hear the sounds of like brutal beating and then and then we see like Sonny gets really mad when he gets on the he finds out and he goes that's when he goes off to try to you know right and him. they but trap him at the uh, which is the why it's probably Long bridge. Island they trap right. him at, at the toll booth and but we never but then the only like there's no after that, all we know is like she stayed with her husband. She has a baby. The baby is christened. Like we we don't mm. get anything f- about like what is she going through and like is she really like is she forced to stay with him? Does she really love him despite all, like the the like that kind of victim thing? This of, is a question you know. I have with regards to Italian and Catholic culture. So like, not Italian, not Catholic, but I am Greek and my family is uh greek orthodox and so like you know when my so my grandmother was white and when she got married to my grandfather like we had no photographs of her family no one ever talked about the fact that she wasn't greek um it was basically like hidden that she wasn't from the the culture um and then when my mom married my dad, uh, th- there was like a moment of them trying to say, well, you know, in this family, you know, you've, you've married into this family, so now you're going to have to leave your family behind. Mm. And my mom was like, well, in, in my family, people share. <laughs> um, but there's this sort of old school mentality i mean and and when we were in greece it was very it felt very palpable there um a very sort of patriarchal mentality and so i 
there was a question to me of, I think the film, if, if it were to be remade, which I don't want it to be, um, if it were to be remade, I think that we would see, we would hear more from them, see them more together. I think it was taken for granted that we would know about, like, or, or that honestly, I feel like it was taken for granted that we wouldn't care mm -hmm. about what they were going through, about whether or not the divorce would ever be seen as something they could do. Yeah. Um, what their position was as like the woman in the family. Um, totally. And like, I believe that she, there's plenty of women who stay with abusive husbands, you know, but like we didn't, that was not, the, the story of that and like yeah. what that, you know, was not part of this film. It was just, she was just like the tool right. for all the, the violence and the action. I, yeah. I also felt that, um, that K like, so my, to me, those depictions are like, so far what we have discussed has been like the second most, uh, egregious, um, the third, the second, I have to feel like, I feel like is, or the first is really a scene where when they're doing the christening and they're busting in, um, and it's just a montage of him knocking out the heads of the different crime families. Mm -hmm. There's just one where they bust into the room and shoot up the bed and he's in bed with an innocent woman. And I'm like, couldn't he just been in bed alone? Did he need to be in, in bed with this woman that she gets torn apart by this? Mm -hmm. That, that, that would to me, was like a careless, gratuitous moment of like suggesting sex to suggest sex. And then we watch this innocent woman get brutally murdered. Um, and then, but then also Kay's relationship to Michael feels very much like a reflection of his psyche. So she is sort of symbolizing him or where he is throughout the film in a way that makes her not a person. Mm. I felt like, I felt like, you know, she comes in and he's grappling with, you know, his family. I also had a question of how much you think that she knows at the beginning. Yeah. Do you think she knew before she came to the wedding? I think that she knew, like, he doesn't talk about his family much because they're crazy, you know? And, like, like she, because she, in the very first scene, like, she mentioned some things about his family, and, you know, and she seemed surprised when he, like, mentioned, because the first thing that he tells her is this, is this like, pretty violent, uh, you know, like, iteration of his father trying to convince someone to... Holy shit, I can't believe I didn't say this during the cultural impact section. Because oh. this is the first introduction. Oh, like, my offer, father made him an offer. He I can't, can't refuse. refuse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did say it in his accent, so it counted. Oh, did I say yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. Oh my god. Um, but I feel like she knows. She doesn't like. I don't think she knows that much. I don't know. I. I don't know that she's. I just think that she's not a character. Like. A, right. She's like the whether or not she's meant to be a sort of like reflection of Michael and his journey. Like, I don't could be. But like the the biggest thing for me is just that she's. Like, especially the scene where he comes back and he asks her to marry him. Right. And she just literally gets in the car and doesn't say anything. And then she's just, like, married. And sort of, like, the next times we see her, she sort of, like, 
rolls her like oops oh he's doing these crazy things you know like sort of ignoring willfully ignorant of like what he's doing um the main reason i ask is because mm-hmm. they're on the family property surrounded by members of the mafia mm-hmm. that to me sounds like a like a horrifically manipulative scenario to be like okay well now that we're here i'm going to tell you that my family is raping murderers i I would have been like that is either you don't tell it until tomorrow or you tell it beforehand um Mm. but i almost had a feeling that she because the question because then you never really hear much about like what she's okay with like i'm sorry gina but in the parallel dimension of, you know, you and me almost being a thing. And then I find out that your family is a bunch of murderers and racketeers. But I'm cute. I'm so going to separate myself from you, Gina. <laughs> I don't care about your medals in the war, you yeah, know? I yeah, don't. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to. Especially if you leave for over a year. Well, I'm going to be like, sorry, Gina. I've seen you, that as my out. And then you've been back for a year before you even try to find me. I mean, I just like, yeah, it was, it's Diane Keaton is so wonderful. And that was too bad. Mm. Cause like, she just is not a character. Um, um, I want, so how did you feel about the way the film dealt, dealt with racism? Sorry. It's just, um, how do you feel about the way the film dealt with racism? Uh, So I mean, like, so like, um, the only time that we see, you know, the only time that we see uh, black people are when he's sort of on the Hollywood studio. The only time that we see, um, uh, like, an Asian person is when he's buying the tangerines before he gets gunned down. Um, But he, but they, as Italian people, are when they interact with not Italians are treated uh, very derogatorily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought it made an interesting um, claim because it, it opens with the guy asking for help from the Godfather. Um, like, I, I believe in America, and I, I wanted my daughter to be American. And then it basically explains that like she was beaten up, and because of both, she was... Uh, dating a guy he attempted to rape her with a friend and then when she was able to stop them from raping her they still beat her within an inch of her life and then when they tried to press charges the police wouldn't help them um and so he has to go to the marlon brando's character for help and so this to me was a a great parallel or an example of really how organized crime and and gang violence really operates where it's like if a community is unable to rely on the traditional justice, traditional structure to receive any sort of justice and by that regard really uh, freedom, then there'll have to be an alternate structure. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that it... it didn't exactly go there to say it 
to me, I did see a big parallel of like, you know, don't just make fun of Italians for being criminals. In many cases, there, there, there are lots of Italians that weren't criminals that couldn't get any justice because they were Italians. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the idea of resorting to crime because you have been pushed out of right. legitimate structures. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first time when Michael goes to visit his dad in the hospital uh, and, like, the cops come finally, and we learn later that it's, like, the chief of police is this, like, dirty cop, but, you know, he just sees Michael and he, you know, just says a bunch of slurs against him as an Italian and then just has the other cops hold him and he just, like, beats him up, you know? Yeah. Um, And if someone didn't intervene, then, like, they would have just arrested him for no reason whatsoever, you know, but the fact that he's Italian, like, they would have used as that was part of the excuse probably you know so yeah yeah i mean yes do you have more no i was going to move us along but do you have more things you'd like to say i I mean i just i just know that like there were some quotes that you know like um that i thought were i mean interesting um but no, I guess it's I guess it's okay. I guess it's okay. The the they do reference in Friends the Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. Oh uh, yeah, that was that funny. Is, yeah. <laughs> I know it's, um, I know English. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um because it's based on a book and apparently always intentional that um the like Godfather Part Three would be filmed much later so that like it's really the original boyhood. Um so that like Al Pacino could be older. Um I did think the the one quote that really survives from Godfather Part Three, um, the every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. I really felt that that was very clearly. That seems to be the Michael Corleone story of mm. like trying to get out through the army and then sort of getting pulled back in and then going to Italy and then getting pulled back in. Mm. Um, the one other thing I guess I will ask. Um, because I have copious notes, um, but I don't want to, I don't want to imposition you here. Um, I just, my one quote is about the wedding night with her, uh, with Apollonia, with Apollonia and Mm -hmm. him. Um, the Sicilian woman who mm -hmm. Michael ends up marrying. Mm -hmm. Right. I just, I just wondered how that dealt with, that was sort of, the first movie in which we've kind of dealt with uh, the way I phrase it in my notes is the fear of sex as being sexy. Um, did you, what do you mean? Do you feel that way? Well, just like, because she's, I mean, she oh, doesn't really know him. Sex being and sexy for yeah, the partner, for, especially for a man. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, her whole character, look, there was gratuitous, boobs in that scene so unnecessary basically like she never she doesn't say a word before they get married right uh and then the wedding night he she like takes off her bra and we like see her full you know her boobs uh which we don't need to see it's just gratuitous you know um and like there is certainly yeah the feeling of like she is clearly a virgin and he is like experienced in some way Mm -hmm. because he's like seems more assured and is like about to guide her, you know, which is just a, uh, again, I feel like we've talked about this a bunch of times, which is a common thread in the movies about like male, female relationships of this time of like the woman needs to be like young and pure 
and the man can be should be old you know should be exactly. it's better if he's experienced right and like that dichotomy is is just like clear yeah. in this in this mo- in this moment especially and then like we just see her boobs for no reason cuz right. yay you know that actually does remind me of the the Hollywood studio executive has a quote about why he won't hire Johnny Fontaine and it's because she he married this woman that he had poured all this money into to make her a star and he says she was beautiful she was young and innocent god she was the greatest piece of ass i ever had and i had him all over the world I'm yeah, like I remember that. what the fuck you Disgusting. piece of shit yeah. oh my god um yes. but yeah that was my that was the thing of of an, a, another really sort of missed opportunity because if we have this you know deeply sort of we we have a structure that's going to put in like a lot of sexual shame um on female sexual behavior and then also in a world that's full of both violence and also like sexual violence there's to me i would have been now i'm just i just want to see a film that sort of depicts what issues might be going on in like her mind. Yeah, I agree. That would yeah. be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been saying that. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, I just, like, I'm just saying like, yes, I 100% agree with you. Absolutely. And yeah. It's like, I feel like I only mean, I mean that in like every single movie. I feel like my comment about the female characters is like, but what's she thinking? Right. Hey guys, wait a minute. You know? Yes. And um, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. And, and I, and, uh, well, yeah, no, that's also true. And I also just feel like, um, I, this is like a particular moment that mm-hmm. I feel like is in a number of films, but yeah, never really, gets any attention in terms of like what somebody who has been like raised to fear what they have been raised to fear and sort of feel about themselves, what they would be going through in that moment Mm -hmm. and like what their sort of duties are and like whether or not, you know, if you've spent your whole life up to this point, not supposed to be doing something just because you've like gone through the like, quote unquote appropriate threshold like you're not gonna lose that sort of yeah, I don't know conditioning I don't know how to put it mm-hmm. in a way that's respectful but more respectful than conditioning shall we refresh if we agree on our original opinions sure sure let's do it let's do it do we like the countdown thing eins <laughs> Oh yeah, right. Bye. Uh, Three. Bye. 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 Bye the negative aspects as negative it gets a lot of shit wrong yeah it through our course of our conversation i've changed my mind in the one that i'm more on the fence about which is now the godfather <laughs> oh. because i do still think we should keep them both but i really the 
the number you, in our conversation you've reminded me of like all the various like women and female characters that these, these things happen to and mm. I'm like oh yeah that is a lot of them uh, which really gives me pause but yeah. but I will still say let's keep them both alright alright so uh, ooh what's next well next year 73 is 73 and we're gonna be changing it up yet again we are be- we are I didn't know that yeah well uh, you didn't know that but we are changing it up yet again no we did we talked about this because the top grossing film and best picture winner are again the same film ooh. The Sting, yes. Take a little look back to 1969 with uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. This is their second and last film together. And yeah, The Sting. And so we're also going to take a stab, figure out what it means to tackle music. So we'll be looking into the Billboard Top Ten Songs from 1973. And you just tricked me into doing that. We did not... Okay, yeah, we did. We're doing it. We discussed it. We discussed yeah, it. Yeah, and I was Gina. like, I don't feel like I know how to talk about music, but, but I we're gonna figure, figure it out. <laughs> Gina, where can they find you? Uh, uh, Gina underscore with a G. That's me on Instagram. Yeah, you wit hag. And yeah, I am a wit hag, Stephen Moskis. That's oh my where God, you that's can my find head. him. That's where you can find me. Oh. Pretty much anywhere. Yes, everywhere. Yeah. Um, we are a Rock Rising Production podcast, baby. You can follow them oh. on Instagram at, at Rock Rising Productions. Their stories, they're legit. I was going to say fire, <laughs> and then I was like, Stephen, you're going to vomit if you say fire. All right. Um, yeah. All righty. Well, well, catch you next time yeah. for 1973. Didn't need no welfare state. This has been a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Thanks for listening.